Welcome to Modern Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Tomas Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality of Physician and Practicing Internist. On this episode, we'll discuss risk adjustment, why it's so important, and the benefits of being proficient at it. Joining me is a leading expert in the field, Erica Braun. Erica, welcome back to Modern Practice. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much. So why don't you remind the listeners of your background and what you do at Vizient? Yeah, so I am a senior consulting director at Vizient. I am a registered nurse by background. I've been doing CDI for about 13 years now. I did five years in CDI leadership, and now I am part of the consulting piece of Vizient that works with various hospitals with clinical documentation improvement. Thank you. So let's level set here. So a lot of people know my background is that in hospital medicine. I still do general internal medicine. And when it comes to risk adjustment, this has always been important to me because I want to be measured. We're kind of looking at things from apples to apples and not apples to oranges, which is where I kind of found myself all through my career, if you will. So I believe I understand the importance of risk adjustment, but I think that we'll be speaking to something a little different today. So let's just going back to the level setting part. What is risk adjustment and how does it work? Yeah, so I think you hit the nail on the head there with an apples to apples comparison. So in looking at hospital outcomes, you can't compare a healthy 18-year-old patient to a 95-year-old patient with multiple comorbidities. You just can't compare those outcomes. So risk adjustment really does allow for that apples to apples comparison, looking at different things that go into risk adjustment. So there's some demographic stuff that goes into it, such as the patient's age, the payer, the admission and discharge sources. Also, comorbid conditions play a big part in risk adjustment. And that's really where your CDI team can come in and help with that. There's some other things that come in as well, such as procedures. I mentioned those patients, you have two similar patients. So maybe they're both coming in with diabetes, a diagnosis for diabetes. There's one patient that doesn't really have any comorbidities. For the most part, they're pretty healthy. But then there's another one that has all sorts of diabetic complications. You wouldn't expect the outcomes for those two patients to be the same. So this does allow you to compare those two patients' outcomes. As for many things in healthcare, it really goes back to the documentation. So in reality, this can work in our benefit if we understand certain things when it comes to documentation. Yeah, absolutely. So with documentation, it's really those capture of those comorbid conditions to the highest level of specificity that you're able to provide. CDI can really help with that and getting that documentation. They're already in the medical record looking at the charts, so they can definitely help with that. So when we've spoken about documentation, we speak to lots of times this is not clinically intuitive to the clinician that doesn't really know about it, if you will. And quite frankly, we're all very busy at this moment. And when we've gotten all clinical documentation teachings, I would have to admit, even myself, sometimes the ADD does come in. And I'm just thinking about my other cases. But it's important to note that just because you noted a potassium of 3.4, unless you actually document a hypokalemia, it just doesn't count. Exactly. The CDI and the coders cannot make that leap from a low potassium being hypokalemia. I want to embellish this a little bit more in the sense that what are other very common areas that you see that clinicians just don't document enough? I mentioned hypokalemia, which is also a low-hanging fruit, but in my career, I also found that malnutrition is very good. And I want to preface again, the average caloric intake of a hospitalized patient is about 1,200 calories. 
a day. Can you give me some other low-hanging fruits that we just need to consider sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Malnutrition is a big one. Another thing that I always like to mention with malnutrition, what I teach the CDI specialists is also to capture cachexia when that's present as well, because they're not always present together. So that one can definitely make a difference in risk adjustment, even more so with the malnutrition. So that can make a difference. I've been doing CDI for over a decade now, and I still query for heart failure specificity all the time. So that's definitely a low-hanging fruit as well. Your respiratory failures, your chronic respiratory failures can definitely impact your risk adjustment. I also notice a lot that liver disorders are missed in documentation as well. That brings up a very good point. One thing that when I speak to my colleagues around the country when it comes to documentation is that we don't want to seem like we're stating the obvious. So in fact, when even describing fatigue, if I have this patient with all these chronic conditions, they're obviously going to have fatigue. And I obviously addressed it. I just didn't really see the necessity of me having to document the obvious. And I think what we're trying to say to our listeners, particularly our clinicians, is that you do have to state the obvious. You do. Absolutely. We can see all of the clinical indicators in the record. The patient has PTOT. Maybe they're taking a two assist to get out of bed. Maybe they're just old and frail. Is age-related debility a diagnosis for that patient? Clinically, of course it is. And you don't even think about it because the patient's 95 years old and can barely get around. But, you know, that age-related debility is definitely a diagnosis that goes missed a lot. Same thing with neoplastic-related fatigue. So what about case mix index? So case mix index, it used to be that CDI programs would measure their success around an increased case mix index. There's a lot of factors that go into case mix index that don't have anything to do with CDI, with documentation. A higher surgical population can definitely make your case mix index go up, when if you have more medical patients, your case mix index may not be as high. And this can vary month to month, especially for smaller hospitals that maybe only have a couple orthopedic surgeons on the case or on staff. And then if one is on vacation, that can definitely impact the case mix index for that month. So it's not all related to CDI. CDI can help the case mix index by getting those CCs and MCCs, those complications or comorbidities, and then those major complications and major comorbidities to improve that DRG, which also impacts your case mix index. We brought up the CMI or the case mix index as being an issue if you have more medical conditions versus surgical. But what we're seeing around the country is that we're admitting far more patients with chronic medical issues or older patients with medical issues versus that of surgical cases. So in reality, this decrease in case mix index may be just a change in populations and patients that we're admitting. So can it be skewed, if you will? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We used to have a lot of patients that were in inpatient status where that's just not the case anymore for a lot of surgical patients. I have a clinical background in orthopedics and neurosurgery, and I sound like an old lady here, but back in my day, (laughs) a total knee replacement stayed for three or four days. Now they're outpatient, home the same day. So there's definitely more focus of patients being transitioned to outpatient surgery areas and observation, and that can absolutely impact the case mix index. So Erica, in risk adjustment, what about severity of illness or risk of mortality? Doesn't CDI always review those? So as a CDI specialist, I used to think that severity of illness and risk of mortality was risk adjustment, and that mattered for every single payer, when in reality, it really doesn't. Severity of illness and risk of mortality impacts the APR DRG, 
But if you are reviewing an MSDRG payer, there may not be impact to the risk adjustment unless those diagnoses impact other methodologies as well. Is risk adjustment only important for those who die? No, most definitely not. So it's important for all patients within your population. So the inclusion of those diagnoses that impact risk adjustment impacts all patients by improving the hospital's overall expected mortality. That can bring the observed and the expected deaths closer together, which can impact your mortality index in a positive way. So it really just represents the complexity of your entire patient population, not just those ones that died. So let's talk about quarries. Man, I get a lot of quarries sometimes. So how can we prevent a quarry fatigue, if you will? Yeah, definitely. So I always like to remind providers that CDI is here to help you. We're not here to question your judgment. We're not here to question your diagnoses. We understand that providers cannot be knowledgeable in every single aspect of risk adjustment or coding. That way, we're just here to help you. And providers often don't realize the specificity that's needed for that complete code assignment. So with query fatigue, CDI really helps to bridge that gap. Too many queries definitely cause query fatigue. That's a real thing. That can cause the providers to disengage from that query process. So CDI must really be knowledgeable about what diagnoses are impactful. So not only to the DRG, but also those diagnoses that improve risk adjustment as well. Erica, great discussion. Any final tips for our listeners? Yeah, definitely. Education, education, education. You really have to learn the different risk adjustment methodologies, and you have to know what diagnoses go into that. You just don't want to be querying blindly for these because we could query every single aspect of the medical record, but it's really not needed. And what that's going to do is make your providers mad. It's going to disengage them from the CDI process as well. With CDI productivity, it definitely takes longer to review the medical record when you're looking at all these different diagnoses and the ones that impact. So for the CDI leaders out there, they may have to adjust their expectations about productivity reviews because you may not be able to do as many cases because the review is going to be definitely a lot more thorough now than it was before. So you definitely have to pay attention to how long it takes to do those reviews and also the time it takes to learn the methodologies. And if I may, it's important to note that we're not speaking to all this just for revenue purposes. There's a direct tie into quality, right? Oh, absolutely. There's a direct tie into quality. There's many different methodologies that use risk adjustment, U.S. News and World Report, CMS STARS. There's so many different methodologies that impact your risk adjustment. And these diagnoses are not always things that are intuitive to providers or even those experienced CDI staff that has not looked at risk adjustment before. You mentioned your chronic fatigue and other debilities with that age-related physical debility. That's not something that's intuitive to document or even to experienced CDI specialists that's not aware of the methodologies. Erica, great information. And to our listeners, you can contact Erica at her email address in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send us your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast at visitinc.com. We posted a link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. And now, I'm Dr. Tomas Villanueva. Thank you so much for listening.